Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. I'm so glad to be with all of you. I am Pastor Mike Graham, and I'm the pastor here at Bible Center of Discipleship and Multiplication, which means I spend a lot of time thinking about how can we grow spiritually? How can we fall more in love with God and then help people share that love with others so that more and more people are being made disciples of Christ? Uh, we are in the middle of our Transform series, which is a, a series that I absolutely love because we're talking about all the things that God has done for us and is doing in us. It's a series about salvation and the beauty of our Savior and how we're becoming more and more like Him all the time. Usually when I teach this subject, this is the graphic that I use. Uh, in this graphic, you're going to see there was a point in time before we knew Christ. And then as we come to know Christ, we start this period of being changed and transformed over time. And it's gradual. And you'll notice that even though we are not like Christ, we slowly become more like Jesus over time. And there's ups and there's downs. Why? Because there's still a world of sin and suffering where we're working out our salvation. So this is a topic that I love to talk about. But this is not what I'm talking about tonight. This graphic is what we're going to be talking about. So not only is there this process of growing to be more like Jesus, in the moment we are saved, the Bible says that we are then in Christ. And then there's all these positional truths that tell us about how we've been transformed in that moment to be different than before we knew Christ. So our sermon today is going to talk about all those incredible positional truths and the way that God changed us immediately when we first believed. So with these positional truths, they're not things that help us become more like Christ over time. The moment we are saved, there are certain things that are now true of us that make us like Christ. Why? Because we are now found in Him. So I'd like to go through a couple of verses. When it comes to positional truths, there's a lot of them in Scripture. We have no ability to go through all of them, but I want us to go through some of them and really focus. So to kind of get us warmed up, let's just do two verses, get us warmed up on some positional truths, and then we're going to jump into the sermon. John 1:12. Jesus says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. The tenses of the verbs are actually really important in this verse. People became children of God, not eventually. It says that when they received him in that moment, right then they became children of God. So it's a positional truth that when you place your faith in Jesus, when you repent and believe and call him Savior and Lord, in that moment, you become a child of God. You're now a son or a daughter forever. In the next verse, it says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, and this emphasis is mine, through our Lord Jesus Christ. With every positional truth we talk about, you're going to notice a theme. And the theme is that we are changed, not by what we do, but in Jesus or through Jesus. So in this instance, through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have been justified by faith. Justified means that we've been declared righteous. We've been declared legally forgiven and pure in his sight. And because of that, we have peace with God. The moment we're saved, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think, you have been given 
peace with God. You have full access to him at all times. And there's nothing according to scripture that can break that peace between you and God. Yes, you and I have ups and downs, but because it's through Jesus, our Lord, the peace is always there and is always available. If you look at your sermon notes, or if you're here presently and you head out to our lobby, you're gonna see that there's a page where we have 40 different things that happened to you the moment you became a Christian. So here, when we meet together on Sundays, it's an opportunity to grow in Christ, but I want you to be growing in Christ throughout the week. This would be a way for you to spend time with the Lord, learning about all the ways your life was changed the moment you believed. I just marked 40. There's probably more than 40, but there's at least 40 different things that changed. If you'd like to go deeper than that, we also have core classes that are available to you. So at any moment, you could go and listen to the core classes online, on our app. They come in video form and podcast form. They go even deeper into these topics. So when it comes to positional truths, I believe it takes a lifetime to truly grasp and understand and really believe with our whole heart these amazing things that are now true of us in Christ. These messages are the messages that need to shape us and change us and form us more than the messages that we hear from sometimes the people in our life, the world and the culture all around us, because we're always hearing messages. The question is, which one do we listen to? So today, I want us to focus on two major themes that come from the positional truths that were taught in Scripture. These are the two things I want us to take away and remember as we go on our way. One, in Jesus, you are enough. In Jesus, you are enough. And the second theme is in Jesus, you can always come home. In Jesus, you can always come home. So let's start with our first point. You are enough. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. And this is a verse you've probably heard before, but we're going to go at it in a little different way. And I want you to make sure you understand all the implications of this verse. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, okay, when it comes to positional truths, when it comes to how we're changed, it always happens through being in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. And what that means is the perfect life that he lived is credited to you. And the sinful life that you and I have lived is credited to him. And then on that cross, he took on the penalty for our sin and then rose from the dead. So being in Christ means that has happened. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So when we are in Christ, we are made new, fresh. We're a new creature, creature, a new creation. Catch what happens here. There are old things that are now gone, and there are new things that have now come. This is part of the content of what we need to talk about. There's old things that used to tell us who we were, what we were like, shaped us, spoke to our identity, and then there's new things, these positional truths, that tell us who we really are in Christ. So in our life, our identity before Christ was partially shaped by voices, experiences, and messages that we've received. What I'm going to do in this next little section is I want us to take some time and think through those voices, those experiences, and those messages. It's really hard because the tendency is that even though those old things have passed away, 
We tend to hold on to those old things. That's what we're used to. Those were our go-to ways of viewing ourselves. So what we need to do is recognize what those old things are that we're holding on to, that we might truly cling to, grasp, and understand the new things that are now true of us. Will the new things shape us or will the old things shape us? So what we need to do is spend some time recognizing what those old things are. So maybe you're not a note taker and that's totally fine. But if I say something that catches you, that reminds you of yourself, a feeling you've had, a thought that's passed through your mind, likely it still has influence on you. You should write it down because until you recognize it, you can't let go of it. Voices. All of us had parents or parental figures in our life in some form. And no matter how great you think your parents were, they were still broken and sinful people, just like you, just like me. So over time, their voices and their, the way they treated us and how they spent time with us affected us. For example, there are parents who sometimes don't spend much time with their children. If you were a child growing up, they just didn't seem to give you attention, didn't seem to give you time. You start hearing voices in your head like, maybe I'm not enough. Maybe they don't want to spend time with me. Maybe I'm not worth other people's time. Perhaps they expected perfection from you. No matter what you did, you just didn't live up to their expectations. So the voice that you would hear is, I'm always going to fail. I'm never going to meet expectations. I'm always going to fall short. Perhaps you lived in a world where they always recognized your faults. Like no matter what you did, they'd always point out the thing you didn't do. That is a hard environment in which to live. The voices that you hear in those moments is good try, but you still failed. You're never quite going to make the grade. And throughout our life, we had coaches and boyfriends and girlfriends and groups of people that we'd hang out with. And many of them said things and did things that caused certain thoughts to still rattle around in your heart and in your head. You need to recognize those voices. Experiences. There's a tendency within us, especially as we're growing up and we're kind of shaping the way we view ourselves, to move towards things that give us affirmation, the things that give us pats on the back. So for some of you, maybe it was making a certain grade. Maybe it was when you made that basket or scored that touchdown or gave that speech. You would get that pat on the back. You'd receive that affirmation you were looking for. So what do we do when we receive that? We start moving towards that, wanting that to be who we are. We do it more and more because we want that affirmation. We want that love. So we move towards things that give us approval, affirmation, and attention, and love. For me, when I was in about eighth grade, I started doing better and better at running. I'm the guy in the shorts. 30 degrees, I still like wearing shorts. It's just part of who I am. Maybe that's part of my identity. Maybe it's an old thing, but I'm a shorts guy. But when I was a runner, I started experiencing success. I'd get attention, I'd get pats on the back. Monday mornings, they would talk about me in the school. I would get newspaper articles written about me. It became part of who I was and I liked it. That's where I found attention. So I wanted to be Mike the runner. So that shaped partly who I was. Now there's not just things that we move towards, there's also things that we move away from. So sometimes we get pats on the back and sometimes we get slaps. You can be bullied, put down, called names. There's other experiences where we're just overlooked, we're ignored, we're abandoned. Perhaps you were punished, mistreated, or even abused. And abuse comes in many different forms. 
We can be over-identified with the way we look, with the friends we keep, with our hobbies, Jim the golfer, with our addictions, Amy the alcoholic. There's a tendency sometimes to be identified with our experiences and things that we've done. When we've experienced failure, sometimes we become identified with the failures in our life. That shapes who we are. That's the voice that continues to tell us what we're like and our worth and our value. When I was, so I was a runner, that was something I was good at, but I was also in a small motors class when I was in eighth grade. I didn't flunk a lot of classes, but I completely flunked this class. I mean, I got a full out F in this class. We started with a lawnmower and we had six weeks and we'd have to change the oil and then the whole class would like clean a carburetor and then we'd have to pull something else apart, clean it and put it back together. Mine was the only lawnmower that worked at the beginning and at the end it didn't work. I don't know what I did. I couldn't get it to work. My dad's a mechanic and the teacher knew my dad was a mechanic. He came up and looked at me and said, Graham, what'd you do? I said, I don't know. He couldn't fix the lawnmower. So like, that's how good I am with, with small motors. I can't do anything with motors. In fact, I'm scared to death to put these hands into the engine of my own car. My tendency is to break things, not to fix things. It's part of where I fail. If there's something in my house that needs fixed, maybe it's a $150 job, as soon as I go to try to fix it, it just turned into a $400 job. That's just my tendency. So that's part of the way I view myself, a guy who just always fails when it comes to fixing things. The last point is messages. And these messages can come from culture, they can come from inside of you, and come from movies, books, just things that you hear when you were in school, things you still hear now, today. Here are some of them. You can't do this. You are too needy. You are hard to get along with. People just aren't going to like you. No one wants to be your friend. You're not skinny enough. You're too skinny. You're too tall. You're too short. You're just not smart enough. You're a nerd. You'll always be alone. No one will ever love you. Something inside of you is just off. There's something missing. You're just broken. You're unacceptable, unlovable. You will fail. One day you will lose everything. I know growing up, I lived in a home where my dad worked in a steel factory. And much like how coal was just decimated in West Virginia, in Northeastern Ohio, as well as over in Pennsylvania, American steel was decimated. And during that time, many, many families went through really hard times. My dad would sit down with us probably once a year, once every other year, and just let us know. Cuts are being made at the plant. My dad was a mechanic at a steel plant. And he would say, I might not have a job next week. And if I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. We didn't live in surplus. We lived just meeting our needs. And if my dad lost his job, we really did not know what we were going to do. That still shapes me today. If you hang out with my family, I can be really annoying. I get nervous just to like let things go. I get nervous just to spend extra money because I'm always afraid that I'm gonna be the guy that loses everything, that I'm gonna be the guy that fulfills this thing my dad was nervous about, that I'm gonna be the one living in a ditch with my family. It's just something about that message has impacted me. And there's messages that have impacted you. There's voices that are still in your head. There's experiences that still speak to the way you view yourself. I need you to recognize them. I need you to know what they are. You can't let go of them until you recognize them. So even though the Bible says those old things have passed away, even though they no longer hold sway or power over you, 
Sometimes you let them speak to your identity, and I'm urging you not to. The old things, the voices, the experiences, the messages, they only have authority in your life if you give them authority. They don't have to have authority. Jesus took them away. He's made you a new creation in him. The new things speak to who you are. They speak to your identity. But there's a tendency within us to hand ourselves back over to the old things. It's like taking a can of Play-Doh, opening it up, handing it to a kid who keeps his finger in his nose and his hands are all dirty and he just smashes it. That's what it's like when you hand yourself back over to the old things. Don't do it. You don't have to do it. The old things should not get a voice that speaks to your value, your worth, and your identity. All of those things are now found in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, a new voice echoes through the halls of eternity. And with authority, he said, let there be light. And with that same authority, he said, you have been made new. The God that spoke the world into being spoke newness into you. You are now a new creature in Christ. There are now new things that are true of you. It's time to get rid of the old. Hear these words from Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4 continues to speak the things that we need to hear. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. What is a spiritual blessing? It's everything you need to grow in Christ and become more like Christ. There's nothing in you that is lacking. No matter how you feel, no matter what you're told, no matter what you think, everything you need to have peace with God, to fall more in love with God, to look more like Jesus, you have those because you have every spiritual blessing if you're in Christ. The next verse says, just as he chose us in him, there it is again, in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. So we were chosen in Jesus that we might stand before the Father. We were chosen in Jesus so now we can always have a place before the Father. Why? Because we are now holy and blameless in Jesus. These are positional truths. They're true of you the moment you believe you're holy and blameless. But Pastor Mike, I mess up every day. Pastor Mike, I don't feel very holy. This is not based upon what you've done or what you've accomplished, how holy you are day to day. This is based upon his holiness. This word holy is the word hagios. So when the Bible says that the Father is holy, 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 it's saying he is hagios, hagios, hagios. The same word describing the holiness of God himself now describes you because you're in him and therefore you can stand before the Father. This is positionally true of you. So whatever voices are in your head, whatever old things rattle around. Jesus has declared with authority in him, you are enough. You have all you need, holiness and blamelessness before the Father in Jesus. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Recognize the old things. What messages, voices, and experiences still speak to your value, still speak to your worth, still speak to how you view yourself and how you view others? And then what are the new things you just haven't embraced? 
it is impossible to fully embrace Christ when we don't let go of these old things. It's hard to be completely who he's called us to be when I won't let go of this. When Jesus looks at us and says, love me with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, we can look to him, but there's a war, there's a battle taking place. Until you let go, you cannot fully love Jesus. So you have to see who you are in him. You have to impress upon your mind the new things and let go of the old things. The second message is you can always come home. In Jesus, you can always come home. Often, churches will focus on making people outwardly conform to both biblical and extra-biblical standards. Oh, you're a new Christian? Great. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Do that, do that, do that. That's our tendency. Instead of recognizing our need to be transformed. So we focus on conforming instead of being transformed. Conforming just means we've outwardly changed a little bit, but the inside might go untouched. We focus on the work of our hands and not the work of the cross. When we think about conformity and not transformation, we shape behaviors, but the heart remains untouched, unchanged. God's called us to transformation. When we're thinking in terms of just conforming, shame and guilt are typically the motivators. You can do better than that. Can't you live up to a better standard? Can't you get, can I get more out of you? Or sometimes it's just a certain look you get from somebody, a tone of voice, a sarcastic remark, but it's shame and guilt being used to motivate you instead of grace and forgiveness. We're designed by God to be motivated by grace and forgiveness. The motor that drives the car to gradual transformation is grace and forgiveness, not shame and guilt. Shame and guilt just drag you down. So in this way of thinking where shame and guilt guide us, our faith, it becomes empty, joyless, even burdensome. And there's this ongoing sense of failure that we're just never gonna meet up to the expectations of God. We have this tendency to think this way. We have the tendency to think that we just need to clean ourselves up a little more, that we just need to achieve a certain level of personal holiness, or maybe we just need to make the grade. And then, and then, maybe we can approach God. Maybe then God will actually smile when I walk into his presence. These positional truths that we're talking about today, they kill the old ways. They kill just conforming. They kill this way of thinking and they reignite in us the joy of our salvation and this heart of thankfulness. If you want someone to work hard for you, make them thankful for the way you take care of them. Give them joy in the service they're providing and they will give you everything they've got. When you just ridicule them and put them down and push them, they will not work hard for you. So we have this joy of salvation. We have this thankfulness because we're reminded that it's not what you and I have done. It's what he has done. It's not my ability to conform to meet some external standard. It's the fact that in Jesus, in Jesus alone, I have been transformed. In the grace and forgiveness that I have found in Christ, you and I can now walk into the presence of God. Spending time with God <clears throat> is not like going on a date. Sometimes we think of it that way. Spending time with God is not like going on a date. When we go on a date, we're a little nervous. I hope they like me. I hope I picked out the right tie and the right shirt. 
hope I picked out the right cologne. I hope that when I hang out with them that they think I'm funny. I just hope they enjoy being around me. Sometimes we think like that about God. That is not the case at all. Because of the positional truths we're talking about, because of the fact that we're in Christ, we don't have to prove anything. We don't have to like clean ourselves up. He loved us even when we were dirty. When we were unmentionable, he loved us. And he died for us. And he put grace and forgiveness on us. So we don't have to clean up like we're going on a date. We simply walk into his presence, whatever your day was like. You walk into his presence and you're going to see a smiling face, a God who loves to be with his children. When I was a full-time personal trainer, I'd work in the gym. And sometimes I'd have people come up to me and say this. And I thought this was great. Trainer Mike, when I get in shape, then I'm going to come see you. When I get in shape, then I'm going to come and hire you. I'd always look at him, just a little dumbfounded. That's actually why you come to a trainer, is to get you in shape. You don't go get in shape so you can come work with a trainer, but I, I heard it several times. This is what would normally happen. I would never see that person again. I sure wouldn't see him in the gym, and they would never hire me, because that's not the way it works. It doesn't work that way with God. We don't look at God and say, I'm going to do better so I can come into your presence. I'm going to get myself cleaned up so that I'll be ready to come into your presence and have a conversation with you. I'll start praying more when I start doing better with not cussing or not doing this or not saying that. We don't clean ourselves up for Jesus. He is the one that cleans us up. It's important that we don't get that backwards. So when we drift back to the old things, we start thinking, I've got to clean myself up. I've got to conform to that standard. I've got to make the grade. It begins to affect our relationship and how we view God himself. We wonder, have I just become too dirty to be with my God? Have I just messed up too many times where he just isn't going to spend, he isn't going to want to spend time with me? Have I just wandered too far from home? So when we think about God in his dwelling place, we just think, wow, he's just, he's turned off the front porch light. He's shut the door. He doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And we even imagine that behind the door, there's a voice that says things like this. Come back tomorrow when you straighten up. When you meet my standards, then you can come through my front door. You want acceptance? Go become acceptable. Figure, it how, figure out how to fix yourself first, and then maybe I'll give you my love. We imagine that God's thinking those things or saying those things behind a closed door, and it is not true. With these words, we have to recognize that they are lies. And if we believe them, even for a moment, it is devastating for the Christian. It destroys our relationship with God, our ability to walk into his presence and enjoy our heavenly father. Here's a great quote by a guy named Richard Rohr. It says, there are two utterly different forms of religion. One believes that God will love me if I change. The other believes that God loves me so that I can change. Catch that second part again. One believes that God will love me if I change. The other believes that God loves me so that I can change. We must return to these gospel-based positional truths to have a right understanding of our relationship with God. Please hear some more words from scripture. In Romans chapter eight, verses 38 and 39. So maybe you've heard these before. I want you to hear them afresh. Hear them again in light of this struggle with old things. Paul says, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor things in the present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The foundation of the love that the Father has for you is because you are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when that's true of you, all of this follows. There's nothing present that can change that love. There's nothing in the future that can change that love. There's no created thing, which includes you, that can change that love. Philippians 3.20 says this, for our citizenship, catch the tense, is in heaven. Not will be, is. So no matter how much you love your country, and I hope you do, it's not your final home. Our citizenship is in heaven. Your eternal country is heaven with God and the people of God, from which also we eagerly long for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the positional truth. You're a citizen of heaven right now, today. So God's declaration, God's passion, God's promises carry more weight and more authority than your fears or your insecurities or even your sin. See this photo. This is a spot in West Virginia. Um, this is a spot that I guess you can rent. Couples rent that. I'm sure couples rent that, what, probably to bird watch, right? So while they're bird watching, at night, check out the sky. There are so many stars. It's awe-inspiring. If you imagine that these stars are the positional truths of God, one of the things that happens in our life is we start turning on other lights. We turn on our house lights. If we're in the city where there's building lights, there's restaurant lights. And if you notice, and you're in downtown Charleston or whatever city, the sky doesn't look like this to you. Why? Because there's so much ambient light. There's so much light that begins to decrease the beauty of this reality. So when you have distracting light all around you, you miss the beauty of these positional truths. The distracting light, those are the old things. If you could turn those lights off, you could enjoy the beauty of the new things. So no matter what you've done, no matter what your heart feels like, no matter what your head says, Jesus has spoken. When it comes to you and your relationship with God, this is the correct image. The front porch light, it's always on. That front door, it's always open. And your heavenly father has his arms extended to you saying, come to me. You don't need to fix yourself. I've already fixed you. In Jesus, my son who I sent for you, you have all you need, every spiritual blessing. You're completely loved. Come to me. And the father doesn't say that reluctantly. He says it passionately. Grace and forgiveness in Christ has won the day. So I ask of you again, and this is something I want you to remember, this physical illustration. What old things are you holding on to? Have you recognized them yet? You will not be fully conformed, transformed into the image of Christ the way he desires you to be until you recognize those things and can begin letting go of them. That's a step that we have to take. So we have to get ourselves in a position where we let go of these things and hold on to and embrace Jesus. We must cry out, Jesus, I don't want to merely conform to an earthly standard. I want to be transformed by your gospel, your love, and your grace. 
I want to daily experience the joy of my salvation. I don't want to be overwhelmed with failure, but filled with joy. I want to let go of the old things and put all my energy, Jesus, towards loving and knowing you. I want calluses on both of my hands from living life, pushing the plow, living on mission for Jesus. I want to let go of the old things, those voices that haunt me, those experiences that I've allowed to shape me, and those messages that cause me to change the way I view you. In humility, Jesus, I want to believe that your words, more than the voices, more than the experiences, more than the messages, speak to who I truly am. The old things have to be let go. I want to know and believe with all my heart that in you, Jesus, I am enough and I can always come home. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.